Everybody still doing well? Good. So I don't know if you caught the news out of Baltimore this week. Uh, it was kind of hidden with all the playoffs and everything. But it came out that the Ravens actually uh, have to resod their grass on the field after every single game. Because even the grass in their home stadium doesn't want to root for them. There we go. Groans are always the mark of a good joke. Okay. So I am starting a new series today. And this is something we were doing and something we're going to do called Firm Foundations. Because as we start the new year, as we go towards Lent, which isn't that far away, as we go towards the Easter season, which isn't that far away, it's important to look at our faith, to look at the foundations of our faith, the foundations of our life, and just what that means for us in day-to-day life. And so as I was praying about this series, I was praying about this message, I was thinking about what to start with, what would be just something important to start with when everything in our faith is so important and so vital. And so I looked to Romans, and I want to start with Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting at the place of honor as God's right hand, pleading us, pleading for us. As I said, there are so many important aspects to our faith, so many important aspects to the foundations of our faith. And so I could do so many different messages today. But for me and for what I believe, the alpha and the omega of our foundations is God's love. Because without that, we've got nothing. Without that, there's no creation. Without that, there's no salvation. Without that, there's no us. And so we look to God's love and what it means and how much he loves us and how insane it is that he loves us even at our worst. And how important that is to our day-to-day lives, to everything that we do, to everything that we believe. Now often, and I'm sure everybody kind of agrees with this, often it feels like everybody's against us. It feels like everything in the world is kind of set up on one side and then we're on the other. And it feels very lonely sometimes. I know that sometimes as we walk through the world, as we walk through life, it can feel like, you know, you're just doing it alone and nobody else is there. And it's like, why? And it can be so hard. And with that, our human hearts, they can tend to go towards extremes. On the one hand, maybe we go towards legalism, which is just the law, the law, the law, and nothing else. No grace, no hope, no nothing. But on the other end, it can go towards, ah, nothing matters, I'm not going to try it. No belief whatsoever. And then often we kind of settle with this minimum line. And I spoke about this last week when I talked about Cain and Abel. Because if you know the story of Cain and Abel, Cain had the appearance that mattered. He went out there, and we know the story of the sacrifices, and so I'm not going to recap everything. But he had this grain. And I don't know if you have noticed this. But if you're putting a bunch of sacrificed meat like Abel did, this isn't like Outback Steakhouse meat. This is like bloody meat. And so it's not looking very cool. And then so Cain's sacrifice looked really good because it's grain and flowers and whatever else. 
But God saw the heart. And see, Cain was just showing the surface level. And sometimes we get stuck there because of fear. Or or, or because of confusion. Or because of hurt. Even because of anger. It's like, if nobody else is going to try, why should I? If everybody else hates me, why, why should I try? What is the point of all of this? And we can forget sometimes about how great God's love is. How overcoming, overwhelming God's love is. In the scripture that I just read, Paul uses the words, if God is for us. And you may be like, well, why why doesn't it say just God is for everybody? Because throughout history, there have been a lot of people who say God is for them to do awful things to, to other people. And so we know that. We learn that. And in fact, Paul knew that intimately. Because before his conversion, he was one of those people. He went around murdering Christians, followers of Jesus, because he's, he said God is for him. However, and this is the awesome part, however, we can be sure that God is for us by giving him our hearts, by giving him what we are, what we do, by living for him. And that's how we know he is for us. That's how we know that he gives us everything, everything. Think about that for a second. Everything in creation was created for us. It was created so that we could do our best to live for him, so that we could find his love, so we could feel his love. And think about how often we mess that up. Like Paul, like I just said, how he went one way when he was supposed to go the other. Now he changed. He allowed Jesus to change him. But God knows that sometimes we do that. And he knows that we're not perfect. And he knows that we hurt other people and we hurt him even. And yet even that does not detract from his love. And so that can be hard to understand too. Because as humans... Things affect our love. Now, we know we're supposed to love everybody, and we talk about agape love, which is unconditional, and we believe that and we try that. But it's still hard to grasp. It's hard to hold on to. It's hard to understand. Parental love can be kind of close, but I'm sure everybody knows a story where where parents and children kind of have some issues or, or move away from each other or don't talk or something, and so sometimes even something as pure as that can be Different, And so it's like, well, what, what does love mean? So I have a quote from Augustine. And it's probably behind me, but I can't see it because it's behind me. But I'm just going to trust Matt. <laughs> I, he could be putting anything up there for all I know. So I'm just going to, again. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Let me read that again. Because this is what his love is. God loves each each of us as if there were only one of us that's his love now imagine for a second that it's just you in the world so driving on 129 is super easy now or 75 although there'd still be construction somehow (laughs) and when you go into walmart or target if you like to spend more money the lines are not there because it's just you Now think about that. Think if everything is for you. Everything is about you. Everything is meant to help you. Everything. The whole world just serves you because there's nobody else. Now, that's how God sees everyone. That's how God sees everyone. He loves you so completely as if you were the only person alive. And yet he also loves you so completely as if you were the only person alive. And he loves you so completely. As if you were the only person alive. I'm not going to go person by person because then we'll be here a long time. 
then you won't love me, but that's okay. But he loves each of us, each person in the entire world as if they're the only person. How amazing is that? That's the foundation of our faith. That's the foundation of who we are, of who we can be. Back for a second to how it feels sometimes like everybody is against us. Uh, We're used to this idea, especially in politics, but just of us versus them and my side versus their side. and, And man, if I lose, everybody's against me. If I win, I'm against everybody else. However we look at it. Robin Lopez, it's not a name I expected to say today. Uh, He is a center for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's not great. He's okay. He's been around for like 50 years in the league, I think. I'm sure everybody here knows who he is just by the looks on your faces. But the other day, uh, Donovan Mitchell, who also plays for the Cavs, scored 71 points, which is a pretty big deal. Although there's no defense in the NBA now, that's his side. Uh, But he scored 71 points. And Lopez had this quote afterwards, and I've seen quotes like it before, but I really loved it. He's like, hey, tonight, Lopez, or tonight uh, Mitchell and I made history. We combined for 72 points. You see, when we think about this feeling that everybody is against us, God is above everything. God is infinite. God is perfect. Nothing can stand against God. And so when we add ourselves to that, there's the 72 points. You see, God on his own defeats everything because he's perfect, because he's all powerful, he's all knowing, he's all everywhere, he's all loving. And so when we know that we are with him, when we give him our lives, when we accept his love, when we accept his forgiveness, when we accept his salvation, we get to join that unbreakable majority. And it may feel like everybody is against us, but we know that we're on the side that won. Spoiler alert, if you read through the Bible, God wins. In fact, I challenge you to read through the Bible by next week. And then bring me a report about what you get. Good. I'm excited for the one person that takes that seriously. And maybe brings me a paper. I think it'll be Zach, but we'll see. Brings me a paper. But it's so amazing that we get to be with him. We get to live our lives knowing that nothing can stand against us, no matter how it feels, because his love covers us, his power covers us, his everything covers us. Going to the next part of the scripture. This is verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. This is where I struggle sometimes. Not the, the, the fact that Christ's love will never go away from us. I believe that, and I I try to live that. But this feeling that I deserve to be loved, this feeling of worthiness, like that can be hard because our, our world, our life is very much, what have you done for me lately? And it's no secret to anybody that knows me, like I can be harder on myself than anyone else could ever be hard on anybody. And I think sometimes we do that because we see where we mess up. We know what we've done wrong. We know what we face, and it can be so easy to fall into that trap. 
Because things can be hard and persecution can hurt losing friends because of your faith or because you won't do what they want to do. Facing temptation. Dealing with pain. Dealing with the hurt that comes from that. And we know that we can be, that we are forgiven when we ask. But, but why? Because just look at, at the world and look at humanity and look at us at our worst and just imagine like, how? How does this work? Why does this work? And I, I wonder about that sometimes. I never doubt it. But I doubt me. And we know God's love will never leave us. We believe that. That's foundational. But how can that be true? How can he love every single person, the worst of us, the same? And sometimes that worry, sometimes those thoughts, they lead to a checklist faith. Uh, a long time ago in a different church, I had a pastor, and I was just starting out, and he basically kept a checklist for each of the staff members. And each week he would have us come into his office, and he would go over the checklist of the things we had done wrong. And so, you know, you started to live by that checklist and make sure you were doing what he expected. And that really affects why you're doing the things you do. And sometimes in our faith, we do that too because of the way the world is, because of our, our, our hurts, because of our pain. And so we think, we find this list and maybe it's the Ten Commandments, maybe it's something else. And it's like, this is what I need to do and so I'm going to do this. And our heart isn't in it. We're just doing this stuff by the list. And we start to think, if I'm just good enough, if I just appear good enough, if I just do enough, if I look the part. And sometimes we're driven to that or we feel driven to that by the way we're treated by others. But I have another quote, and this is from someone I use a lot, C.S. Lewis. He and I are pals. Were, I guess. Uh, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. This is a powerful quote and a powerful idea and a foundational idea because it's God's grace and God's love that helps us to do better. On our own, we cannot do it. You see, the amazing thing, one of the many amazing things about the salvation story is that Jesus died for a humanity before they chose him. In fact, there were people actively choosing against him while he died. His followers were running and lying. One of them had betrayed him. There were people in the crowd yelling insults at him while he's dying for them. So he knew always that we would never be able to earn that love, that we would never be able to be good enough. No checklist would save us. And yet he did it anyway. And yet he loves us anyway. And yet he hopes for us anyway. Because on our own, we can't be good. I didn't mean to do the Nixon thing, but it is what it is. Thanks. Uh, on our own, we can't be good. But with him, with his love, we can be lifted up. You see, on our own, we're basically TCU. But with him, we can be Georgia. Taking out the SEC part of it. Because we have overwhelming victory. And that looks so different for Christians, for our life, for his love. And it's that assurance of his love, of his help, of his peace. A little earlier in the scripture, Paul talked about us being uncondemnable. 
And that's not because we deserve to be, because we don't. Because we mess up a lot. But that uncondemnable feeling, that truth, is because he is the highest court. He is it. And so if he's forgiven us, boom, that's it. Now, that does not mean that there are no consequences, and it does not mean that we shouldn't try. In fact, in many ways, it means the opposite. Knowing that we can't be condemned means that the consequences are that much greater to our witness, to our example, to how we show other people who he is and what that means. Knowing that we can't be condemned by anyone else means that we should try harder to show people why this is the way to live. To show people what it means to be a Christian, what it means to accept his love, what it means to to do better because he lifts us up. Going to the next verse. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. We can turn away from it with our choices. But even then, his love still calls out to us. He still loves us, even then. Because nothing, nothing, Nothing can separate us from that love. That is such a vital part of our faith. Now here's the thing. though. This is what they call the hook. It's not just about us. It's not just about the people in this room, the people in this church. It's not just about the people that have chosen him. The assurance of his love the confidence, the courage that comes with his guidance. That is important to everyone. Everyone. So we have to show that to everyone. Paul referred to us in the scripture as more than conquerors. And so we look at it differently than a conqueror would look at it. And he lived in the days of Rome where conquering was the thing they were doing. And everybody was speaking Latin, which maybe we should have stuck with. That was just for Amy. (laughs) But a conqueror believes that power is greater than everything. And Rome was a huge empire, one of the biggest ever. You could argue that it was the biggest ever. And they believed in power. However, we overcome with a greater power, with the power of Jesus, the power of his salvation, the power of his peace, the power of his love, the power of his hope. A conqueror, they have the motive of victory, of just winning by all means, by any means necessary. But we overcome with a greater motive, the peace of Jesus, showing people what salvation means, how they can live it. We overcome with a greater victory, which is heaven, and the life lived with a joy knowing that he is with us. That once we choose him, once we accept him, once we live for him, we never lose that. 
We keep going forward with him every day. And we go beyond conqueror because we overcome with a greater love. This love that each person is important, vital. Each person is loved. The salvation of Jesus, the fact that he died on the cross for everyone. The fact that he loves everyone. Life isn't easy. And if I could say, if you accept him and you go out there and you show love to everybody and you show Jesus to everybody, your life's going to be amazing. Suddenly there'll be an IRS refund that you didn't expect that's like a million dollars. And suddenly people will like move out of your way and actually get in the right lane on the highway. And suddenly the Bengals will win the Super Bowl. And suddenly everyone will treat you with respect and everyone will will be honest. If I could say that, church would be packed every day. Not just on Sundays. I can't say that. But I can say this. We are meant for more than an easy life. We are meant for more than what we expect. We are capable of more than just the way of the world. And nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that goes with us, that helps us, that that allows us to face everything. And nothing can separate us from that mission. And so I have a final quote, and this is from someone who lived out that mission every day. And I've used him a lot, and, and... There are people, no one in here, obviously, but there are people that would kind of laugh using Mr. Rogers and C.S. Lewis in the same message. But I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again. He saw a need in the world. And he was a Christian. And he went out there and went beyond his comfort zone and spoke love and truth and faith to kids every single day for decades. And he was a pastor and a missionary in different ways, in the way of setting an example. And so that's why I use him. And he said, everyone longs to be loved. And the greatest thing we can do is let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. Everyone, whether they admit it or not, longs for the love of God. There are people who convince themselves that they don't want it, that they don't believe in it. There are people who fill their lives with other kinds of things that are supposed to be momentary distractions or short-term happiness. But at the heart, everyone longs for that love. Everyone needs that love. Everyone just intrinsically knows That when we aren't living for him, there's something missing. And so it's on those of us who have accepted it, who admit it. To show it, to tell it, to live it. And what he says and what Paul says, we do this not just so that others know they are loved, although that's important but so that they know they are also capable of loving. 
Because sometimes the world tries to convince us otherwise. Well, you can't love them. They don't love you, so you shouldn't love them. Or, or they're against you, so you can't love them. Or, or you're just not capable of forgiving. You're not capable of moving forward. You're not capable of it. And there are people who live their lives believing that because they've been taught it. But we are more than conquerors. And we know his love. And we can show them that they are capable of more. And Paul, who wrote this, as I said, lived a good portion of his life completely against this idea. And he justified things and he convinced himself. But when the light of Jesus shone in his face, he couldn't look away. Earlier, Amy read the Old Testament scripture. And that was from David. And that is after he had finally admitted to all of the sins that he'd done. This is David, a man after God's own heart. And in that psalm, he pours everything out because he finally realized he'd been living for himself. We have to show people the power of that forgiveness, the power of that love, the power of God. We have to show them that they're capable of more than they accept. Together. That's our foundation. That's the start of what we do. That's the core of who we are. God loves you so much as if you were the only person in the world. And he empowers you to do better, to be better than you ever could be alone. And he gives you the call to go out into the world and show everyone else that we are meant for more that we can do more because of him. That's all I got.